I first heard of the Cape Cod Baseball League when I was an infielder at Dartmouth College in the early 1980s. Players didn't use the league's formal name, but rather talked wistfully about playing on the Cape as if some kind of aura surrounded the geography itself. The league was the best of the NCAA summer leagues. We didn't know much about it, or how someone went about getting into it, that was part of the Cape's mystique, but we knew that most of us had been team captains and all-stars and most valuable players in high school, and none of us was good enough to play there. I spent my first college summer back home in Walpole, New Hampshire, playing on a team that attracted the most serious players within an eight- or ten-town radius, players who had gone on mostly to small northeastern colleges. Some non-college guys played on the team as well. They worked their full-time jobs around the games, brought beer in the trunks of their cars, gave the eight-team league a rough, towny edge. I'd been aware all along of the sorting taking place around me, and now I felt the pinch. I had played with or against many of the players in Walpole before. We stood at the tip of a local pyramid whose base stretched across a broad, rural area, our talent or drive having lifted us higher than almost everyone we'd played with on the way up. The winnowing at the lower levels had been clear, relatively painless, usually self-selected. Millions of kids start out dreaming of being big league ballplayers. Most of them, at early ages, admit they don't have what it takes, or decide the game isn't worth the effort, or find some other passion to replace it. Dreams are fragile. But I had fallen in love with the game at eight years old, and from then on I wanted nothing more than to play second base for the Boston Red Sox. Wanting to be a baseball player differed from wanting to be an astronaut or a policeman. I could actually work at becoming a baseball player, and I grew up believing I could will myself to the majors by working harder than anybody else. I was the kid who slept with his baseball glove, who shoveled snow off the driveway so I could play catch in the winter. I talked my parents into letting me go to baseball camps. My father, a Brit, didn't understand the sport. My mother knew only a little about it, but she loved watching my games, and both of them respected how much I wanted to be good at it. They bought me baseball books, reassured me without really knowing that I had a chance. When I was 12 years old, I saw an ad in the back of a baseball digest and wrote away for information about how to become a major league ball player. I pored over the thick binder that arrived, memorizing the mimeographed pages of tips and exercises and descriptions of what scouts looked for in a prospect. Fortunately, I had a knack for the game. At each higher level, I stood out, got picked for all-star teams. And baseball changed me. I lived for the game and made decisions based on how they'd affect my playing. I ate differently than the rest of my family, no soda, no junk food. I went to bed early without being told. I was a shy kid. I didn't like drawing attention to myself except on a baseball field. There I took charge, felt the confidence that comes from being looked up to, admired, singled out. Only one other talented player in my class shared the same dream. Jeff Hubbard and I had pushed each other ever since Little League, we practiced endlessly. I threw balls at his feet. He hit grounders just beyond my reach to make me dive. Before games, we dressed together at Jeff's house, getting psyched up to the thump of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. We weren't alike. I thought he was cocky, and I couldn't understand why he turned everything into a competition. I was quiet, serious, brooded over small failures. But we were best friends. His dad, who had been a star pitcher at the University of New Hampshire before throwing snowballs ruined his arm, took both of us to Winter Haven, Florida each March to watch the Red Sox train for their upcoming season 
and to prepare us for ours. We stayed at the same hotel as the Red Sox players, ate in the same restaurants. In the evenings, Jeff and I sneaked onto a perfectly groomed red clay infield at the minor league complex and practiced fielding ground balls over and over and over until it became too dark to see them. We hopped the fence of an orange orchard beyond the outfield of Chain Lakes Park and chased down home run balls. We kept a milk crate's worth so we could take our own batting practice with the real thing.